0: Good morning Church. Today we're gonna start a new series called Watch and Learn or how to treat people the way that Jesus did. What we're gonna essentially do is follow Jesus around. We're gonna look at different encounters that he had with people that we read about in the Gospel of John and we're gonna ask ourselves that the question if we are his disciples as well how can we treat people the way that Jesus treated people back then? John chapter one says that Jesus called Peter and Andrew, Philip and Nathaniel to follow him around, not just to learn from him in a classroom or to read his blog or follow him on Twitter, but to literally go the places that he went. They watched him, they observed him, they soaked up his life. And the purpose of this was so that they could be like him. And if we are Jesus's followers as well, then we need to do the same thing. Not just look at his life and go, oh, wasn't that an interesting response? Or, oh wow, wasn't he unique and extraordinary? Which he was. We have to go that next step and say, okay, what does that mean for us? How can we be like Jesus? So in this series, we are going to follow him to places like the countryside and the city. We're gonna watch how he behaves at weddings and funerals and religious gatherings and, and public dialogues with people that are different. Than he is and our goal again is not just to observe but to learn and to become like Jesus I'm here today at the Purple Orchid Inn in Livermore it's a beautiful site I was here about a year ago for Garen and Cheyenne Weiss's wedding they aren't doing too many weddings these days uh, for obvious reasons they've had to postpone a lot of those weddings but uh, it's a beautiful sight and I got my tie on and some of you look like you're a little bit underdressed And so you may want to go throw on a tie as well because we're gonna follow Jesus to a wedding today and I know that you don't typically wear pajamas to a wedding so you may may want to clean up run a comb through your hair or something like that I know for a fact that all of you didn't wear pajamas to your own weddings and the reason I know that is because you guys shared so many wedding pictures with me this week from when you got married and I want to share some of those with all of you right now Looking good, people. Those are some great photos. Thank you for sharing those with us. Weddings are a big deal. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of planning. It's a lot of coordinating. Uh, When I was younger, I used to have a bad attitude toward the extravagance of weddings. Like, why do you need to rent a facility? Why do you need to feed all those people? Why do we have to spend so much money on flowers? That used to be my attitude. Uh, But now that I have four daughters, I kind of get it. You know, if you're gonna marry my daughter, you maybe need to show that you can afford a ring. You maybe need to put some cash down and show that you're responsible, that you can take care of some big planning and some big events. A lot of times in the life of a bride and groom, the, the wedding is the first major joint financial investment. And it's one of the biggest things that they'll plan together. So it's good training and it's good practice for when they are married and they'll make more of those big decisions together. Um, And this was true in the first century as well. Jesus went to this wedding. Traditions were a little bit different. Weddings back then were a week-long festival of celebrating uh, and eating and drinking. And it was the groom's family's responsibility to take care of the guests and make sure that they were fed and that they had enough wine. So keep that in mind as we follow Jesus to this wedding in the village of Cana. This is John chapter 2. John says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them now, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. And he did not realize where it had come from though. The servants who drawn the water knew, then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you save the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want us to observe three things as we follow Jesus to this wedding. The first one is simply the fact that he went to the wedding at all. Jesus got out, and he was involved in something that was happening in his community. Uh, sometimes we have this picture in our heads of Jesus at the wedding, and, and maybe you picture Jesus, uh, who's backlit. He floats in, and he solves the problem, and he turns the water into wine, and then he floats away because Jesus is this this ethereal spirit kind of thing. But that's not the picture that I want us to get. Jesus went to the wedding because. His mom knew the family because he was part of this community and he went there to celebrate. And I think that there's something that we can learn from that ourselves. Sometimes Christians tend to silo ourselves in Christian communities. We don't interact with things that are happening in our town, things that are happening in our neighborhoods. We don't make efforts to get to know our neighbors, but we see that Jesus did, that he was connected, that he, he got out and he was involved in what was going on. I saw a movie clip one time Movies don't always depict Jesus in accurate ways. There's, there's a lot of things that, that can go wrong uh, when they take artistic license. But I saw this one movie one time. It's just a simple clip of Jesus dancing at the wedding at Cana. And I never even thought that Jesus might have danced at the wedding, but it makes sense. If he went to a wedding to celebrate, then he probably danced. The Gospel doesn't tell us that Jesus did or didn't dance, but it was a good reminder that Jesus loved people and he was involved in what was going on. And we need to do that as well. It may be harder to do these days because of the shelter in place, because we can't go out as much, because weddings at places like the Purple Orchid have been postponed, but there's still ways that we can take this principle and connect with the people around us. You can have a conversation with your neighbor over your fence. You can pick up the phone and connect with people more. Uh, there's, There's gonna be opportunities to do this, and I hope that we'll take those up as we're presented with them. The second thing that I want to point out about this wedding is not that that Jesus got out and went to the wedding, but that he got involved in the crisis that was going on. Jesus's mother comes to him and she says, Jesus, the unthinkable has happened. The groom's family, who's supposed to serve everybody, they ran out of wine. This may not seem like a big deal to us. If you went to a wedding today and you held up your glass and they were going to pour you some wine and they said, oh, you know what, we just ran out. Sorry, you don't get any. You might still have a good time at the wedding. You may still go home and think, man, that wedding was a really big success. But that's not the case. It would have been a huge disgrace and a lot of shame on the family if they ran out of wine and they couldn't provide for people for the whole week. And that's just what happened here at Cana. And Mary comes up to Jesus and says, what are we gonna do about this? And Jesus' response to her may seem at first like he wasn't going to do anything, like he didn't care. Uh, Because the phrase is kind of difficult to translate. In a lot of different English translations of the Bible, you'll see this phrase translated in different ways. But essentially what Jesus responds to her is saying, what does this have to do with me? They ran out of wine, what should we do about this? And it may seem callous, But when you take into account that a lot of times in the gospels, before Jesus does something that he knows he's going to do, he kind of makes the person that is requesting something of him dig a little bit deeper and his true identity starts to unfold when this happens. Let me give you an example. In John chapter 11 at the tomb of Lazarus, his, his good friend Lazarus had died and Lazarus's sister Martha is there. Jesus arrives and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus doesn't look at her and say, well, you know what? I'm gonna raise him from the dead right now, which is what he goes on to do. But what he says is kind of cryptic, and kind of interesting. He says, well, Lazarus will rise again, which then prompts this conversation about Martha saying, yeah, I know he'll, he'll rise again at the, at the resurrection, but I'm still sad because he died now and you weren't here and all of this. Jesus then raises Lazarus from the dead, but he doesn't just say outright what he's going to do. And the way John writes the character of Jesus you kind of get his divinity unfolding it's sort of like this mystery that that clues start to be dropped uh, along the way and it's it's really great way to discover who jesus is i think that's partly what's happening here mary comes to jesus and she says they've run out of wine and jesus almost says with a wink oh no well what could i possibly do about that someone should do something what should i do and then he gets to work and he changes the water into wine. Regardless of what he says, pay attention to his actions. He gets involved. He says, this is somebody's problem that I'm going to make my problem. And then he makes the best wine that anybody had ever tasted. And this is what Jesus does. This is what we'll find as we follow Jesus. He takes things that were old and he makes them new. He takes something like dishwashing water out of these stone jars and he turns it into the best tasting wine for the celebration and in doing so he brings peace into what would have been a really really shameful situation for this family so what do we do as followers of Jesus I don't think the application here is turning water into wine but I think if we watch that Jesus had compassion that he cared he took somebody else's problem and he made it his own problem that's something that we can do we can show compassion for our neighbors we can get involved. But what does that look like? What does it look like to be a peace bringer in a tumultuous situation? That's a question that I've really been wrestling with a lot over the last couple weeks. As a follower of Jesus, what does it look like for me to bring peace into the lives of my friends and neighbors who are crying out for justice, who are hurt by recent world events and with racial tensions at a new height What am I supposed to do? How can I help? How can I show love? How can I be like Jesus? And I don't have all the answers. I'm still wrestling with this. I'm still trying to work this out. Um, But I think it's important to notice that we always have the option of doing nothing. We can always say, that's not my problem. A more callous person at the wedding at Canis should have said, they run out of wine? Well, they're gonna learn an important lesson or say, What does that have to do with me? I'm not going to get involved because I'm too busy eating my cake. And maybe that applies in our situation now as well. We could always do nothing, but we could inconvenience ourselves a little bit. We could make somebody else's problem our problem. Keep in mind, Jesus didn't go to the wedding so that he could change the water into wine. He went to the wedding because he was invited. He thought he was going to be at a wedding that day. That would have been the highlight of his day. Turning the water into wine was sort of a change of direction. It was something that he had to add to his schedule. And maybe as followers of Jesus, we should ask ourselves, are we willing to be inconvenienced? Are we willing to change our schedule in order to show love and compassion to somebody who is hurting or who's asking us for our help? Again, I don't have all the answers to what we're supposed to do uh, in light of political tensions and and, and conversations and, and just the things that are blowing up lately. But I want to make one observation. And that is, I often hear people say, I just don't understand. They use the phrase, I just don't understand. But instead of using it as the start of a conversation, seeking understanding, it's used as a way of ending a statement. I just don't understand, and I'm going to leave it at that. People say things like, I just don't understand the phrase, Black Lives Matter. Or somebody else might say, I just don't understand how somebody could vote for Donald Trump. Or someone might say, I just don't understand what I have to apologize for. I'm not a racist. Or I just don't understand what all this rioting and looting and protesting accomplishes. It doesn't make sense to me. I just don't understand. It's kind of like a way for Christians of saying, I just don't understand how someone can be a Christian and not think all of the same things that I think. And my response to that statement is, well, do you want to understand? Are you seeking understanding or are you just trying to close the case and be done with the conversation? And my suggestion is try to understand. Use that phrase as a way of saying, help me understand. Like Jesus made somebody else's problem his problem. Reach out to somebody. Listen to what they have to say. James tells us that we should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry I think that's a good thing to keep in mind the third thing that I want us to notice about Jesus encounter at this wedding at Cana uh, is not so much from watching Jesus but it's something that we can learn from watching his mother Uh, when the wine situation is discovered she goes to the attendants and she says a phrase that I think could kind of be a key phrase and even the framework for this whole series about following Jesus, she says, do whatever he tells you. And that's a good thing to keep in mind. If we're followers of Jesus, we need to be studying his life and then doing what he says. We again, not just observing him, but following him and learning from his example and imitating him. A lot of times in our lives when we're in a crisis, or when we're in a situation where we don't know what to do, we turn every place but Jesus to try to find solutions. We look to ourselves and we try to muster up our own energy and work harder and just, just, just try to force things. And a lot of times that leaves us empty. We'll look to the internet and we'll try to get all the advice that's out there and just, just overwhelm ourselves with information. And it's good to, to do things and it's good to educate yourself and that's important. But the thing that we can't neglect is the thing that is right beside us all along. And that is this extraordinary man, Jesus, the Christ, our Lord, the way, the truth, the life do we care what he thinks mary says do whatever he tells you and i think that that's good advice for us so it's been a good wedding they provided enough wine the celebration continued jesus maybe did another dance or two but as we observe this and other encounters that jesus has with people i hope that we are challenged as his followers again not just to look at what he did but to learn from him and to make his priorities, our priorities, to make the love that he has for people, the love that we can show for people as well. The wedding in Cana, we saw that Jesus got out, he got involved, and then Mary went and got Jesus. Those are three challenges for us. I hope that you'll find ways to apply them in your week uh, as you go. Blessings. Oh yeah, one more thing. In the interest of seeking understanding and listening, before we speak and caring about how other people are feeling, how what's been going on in the world has been impacting people. I'm putting together a virtual panel. I've asked some of the people from this church who I know and who, you know, also just to share their thoughts and their feelings about what's been going on lately. And I want to invite you to listen to them. This is not a dialogue yet. Hopefully it will stimulate some dialogue, but it's just a chance for you to practice listening. And you might hear a perspective you haven't considered yet, or you might hear a perspective you've heard, but coming from someone that you've already committed to loving and caring about in the name of Jesus, it may take on a new meaning for you.